Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Gojo and Golik, the 49ers easily handled the Cardinals yesterday, 45-29. And it was another huge day for Christian McCaffrey. Surprise, surprise. He finished with five catches for 72 yards, two touchdowns, while also running for 115 yards and a score. And after the game, Brock Purdy was on the CMC MVP campaign trail. Dude, I think think Christian should be MVP. I think I I really do believe that. You know, he does everything um, for us runs the ball well, can catch the ball. He does everything. And so, in my eyes, that's an MVP. Okay, guys, do you agree with Brock Purdy despite his hideous choice of shirt? (laughs) Oh, wow, we're going to take down the guy that's probably going to win fashion choice here. Interesting. I just couldn't couldn't let him get away with that. I had to make a comment. Oh, you know what? He honestly, he is dressed like a character on I Think You Should Leave. Like, he looks like he got that shirt at Dan Flash's. So that actually checks out. Objectively, not a great shirt. But, you know, again, fashion's different for everybody here. And he's trying to rock it with as much confidence as humanly possible. (laughs) And uh, you know what? I love that journey for him. Uh, Dad, I do love the, uh, the message here. Like, this is the perfect humble teammate approach to the MVP discussion that's going to continue to swirl around Brock Purdy and the 49ers because it's getting pretty difficult in this season, Dad, to look away from Brock Purdy in the way that this award's structured, right? Best player on best team. Brock Purdy basically leads the NFL in everything related to passing stats. He's first in passer rating. He has the most passing touchdowns. He's got the best touchdown to interception ratio. He's got the best yards per attempt, yards per completion. They've obviously won a bunch of games here, even deep statistics. He's number one, I believe, in uh, – completion percentage over expectation he's number one in epa per pass like all these things that you could want brock purdy's at the top of so do you believe that he is right and that he shouldn't even be the mvp on his own team uh yes i do agree with that and i think if if the team voted for an mvp i think christy mccaffrey would be voted the team mvp uh, for them and that would be my argument i think their own team would vote for cmc he should to me he should be the MVP of the league. We, we, now, you just mentioned Brock Purdy out in front uh, in a lot, of different, a lot of different ways. Not yards. Obviously, he's down a, a little bit in yards. I think he's third, second or third in that area there. Uh, not, not where you mentioned first in a lot of things. And that's what we look for is there's somebody who by far and away, by far and away, is so much better statistically than other quarterbacks. Is Brock there in your mind? Far and away better than, I mean, than all, all. So statistically, yes, like statistically he is. Like statistically, there's very little argument that he's not the MVP if you were to just go on that. But this is the problem is he's got the stats to back it up. And he's on a great team and is going to win a ton of games. And it is no doubt incredibly important. But the other t- portion of the MVP t- debate we always have is, is it the best player or is it the player who's most valuable to their team? And you can absolutely construct the argument that, yes, Christian McCaffrey is more valuable to the team or that there are other players and other quarterbacks so, who are more integral to their team's success than Brock Purdy is to the 49ers overall. See, as far as th- when you take a player off a team, take Lamar Jackson off Baltimore. Take take. Dak Prescott away from Dallas. Take Jalen Hurts away from Philadelphia. Take any of the top guys away from their team, and they're not as good. Then do we just go to a d- degree of not as good? Take Brock Purdy off. They still have a lot of talent on offense, but still, Brock Purdy is playing well. So that's really – I look at more the best player than what would you do if you take them off the team. Because any top team is going to be worse with their top player is going to be gone. So that's not and, and I understand voters can do it that way. You you if you're a voter or or even us who aren't voters, you're a voter in the Heisman, but not here in this MVP race. So we have our own opinion. And mine isn't take him off the team. 
because there's too many examples of and those, all a lot of so many teams would be worse without your star player. So I look for best player. And to me, it's Christian McCaffrey because I think he's the best because one of the things he's the most versatile. He's averaging, what is he averaging? 128 yards total a game. He's going to be in the area of 2,200 total scrimmage yards if he keeps going at that average for the last few games. Now let's see if they have everything locked up for the last week, if they play or not, whatever. He's going to be over 2,000 scrimmage yards on the best team in football. To me, I, I, I think I cut it down. It's, it's certainly not as simple as this, but I do believe that the 49er players all given a ballot, who's our MVP, they would say Christy McCaffrey. So I, I just think he's the MVP of the league and should win it. Well, I, but I think to your point, Dad, it's because it's the idea of if you had to go out there and win without one of those guys, who would you be more comfortable winning without? I think that's the way that you're talking about that conversation there. Because with the 49ers, the difficult part of this is we've seen them very recently be successful with another man in the same context almost exactly on that team right now. And Jimmy Garoppolo, who promptly went and then wet farted his way out of that job, obviously with injury factored in. But Jimmy Garoppolo did not look nearly as good running Josh McDaniels offense with the Las Vegas yeah. Raiders, despite having one of the best backs in football, despite having one of the best receivers in football on that team, did not look as good without the helpful confines of Kyle Shanahan's offense. It's always going to be a factor in all of this, as is the starting point in here. Like, I think it always takes a while for us when talent and production don't match up, right? That can cut both ways. Like we're getting to that point now with Trevor Lawrence at certain junctures. That was a really rough outing for Trevor last night in Sunday Night Football against the Baltimore Ravens. He is one of the best quarterback prospects I can remember in terms of ability and what was expected. But there's been a few too many moments at times where things like last night pop up where the production does not match that. But I still want this player to be something that maybe he's just not going to be on the top end because of any number of things that have happened early in his career. With Brock Purdy, it's much the same. There's not a dominant physical trait that you can point to with Brock Purdy. There's not right. any otherworldly ability with him. And so it's like a player, and I'm not saying he's playing as well as Tom Brady, but I'm saying Tom didn't have a defining physical trait. Most of the quarterbacks of that era, the Drew Breeses, the Mannings, didn't. And so you had to search harder to find the areas where they impacted a game enough to where you can point to and say, yes, that's the MVP quality there versus the other quarterbacks we've got in this league, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, you can all look and clearly see, oh, there's spots where they're physically doing things right. that only a handful of people on earth can do. No, I, I do agree with that. I, I'll ask, you said Garoppolo, he had success with Kyle Shanahan and then not success away from that. Do you think Cam Newton was right then about Brock Purdy? That he's a game manager in that Kyle Shanahan offense? I'm not going to get into that because that's a buzzword that people are going to color. However, they view the idea of game manager. I think that like a lot of like a lot of the players that we're talking about in this operate in offenses with a ton of weapons, a ton of help. When you look at some of the stats about tight window throws and how guys are in terms of aggressiveness in that way, Brock Purdy's got a lot of peers and guys like Patrick Mahomes and others who work in offenses that will get them open throws or work in offenses. Now, not the Patrick Mahomes of this year, who's operating in an offense with basically no help outside of Travis Kelsey. But I mean, in prior iterations of that, when you had Tyreek Hill and you had the full complement of the best version of that Kansas City Chiefs offense. Like Brock is not alone in that, and he's got some impressive throws under his belt, but we all have, again, seen the past with Kyle Shanahan where he's made it look good with a bunch of different people at quarterback there, even if maybe it hasn't reached these heights that Brock has helped them reach, and that's a complicating factor in this. So you look for, uh, I guess, an MVP, because it's normally a quarterback, the wow moments, you know, the wow factor. And Josh Allen was the first to admit he wasn't a big part of a big win. They didn't need that Josh Allen to get this win against the Cowboys. Lamar Jackson comes up with a nice win over a division-leading team in Jacksonville. Doesn't pass or, do, or not, not that great passing. 14-24 for a buck 71 touchdown. <clears throat> Excuse me. And an interception, but he runs incredibly well and has those amazing moments in the pocket to make a play down the field. And as we mentioned, ran for just under 100 yards. So I get those wild factors. Who would be your MVP right now? I mean, probably Brock Purdy. Like, I, I really don't know at this point because Dak Prescott would have been my vote before, but 
you go out and you lay an egg in this many big games, and at some point that's going to affect the way that you're perceived there, even if you played well. And again, it's it's how we're defining this. Brock Purdy's playing great football. He's got enough statistical support on this great team to back that up. Do I think that like this is the thing is I, I'd be fine if Brock Purdy won the MVP this year, totally fine. Like he has played incredible football. He meets so many of the criteria that we talk about for this award. The thing where I'm always like, man, all right, when we brush it back is I saw, I think it uh, was David Lombardi, the pa- uh, athletic beat writer that covers the Niners said, is Brock Purdy have a argument to be the best quarterback in the NFL? And I won't go that far. No, like a- absolutely not. Not in a world where Patrick Mahomes still lives and breathes and walks this earth and is somehow keeping this Kansas city chiefs team in the conversation for winning a Super Bowl, despite the fact that we look around at the rest of the supporting cast there, especially on offense, and no, that's not the case. No, I I think there are other quarterbacks that are more important to their team, even if they are not playing better football than Brock Purdy right now, if that makes sense. So, so that's how you vote of how important they are to their team. Is that, is that, and I'm, I'm not saying this in a way of like, I disagree. I'm just saying, is that your criteria for this, for this award? Well, that's my criteria for if we're talking about who the best quarterback in the NFL is, is it is, okay. hey, what would your team look like without you? And like Lamar Jackson's the perfect example. You take Lamar Jackson out of that Ravens offense and the whole house of cards comes crashing down. Now they've built it very specifically to his skill set, and there's absolutely something to be said for that. But I do believe he is more important to their success than Brock Purdy is to the 49ers' success, even if Brock Purdy is very important. Like, we're having a high-level conversation. Brock Purdy has outperformed anyone's wildest dreams for a player picked in his draft status. He is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL right now, but I will not also be convinced that I'm the bad guy for not just readily saying, oh, yeah, he's the best quarterback in the NFL, because I don't believe that's true. So, again, my vote would be for Christian McCaffrey. And the deck is certainly stacked against him. Since 2000, there have been four running backs that were MVPs. In 2000, it was Marshall Falk. And then you actually had back-to-back years, Mike. 2005, Sean Alexander from Seattle. And 2006, LaDainian Tomlinson uh, from the Chargers. And the last running back to win the MVP was 2012, Adrian Peterson of the Minnesota Vikings. So, and all the other times it's been a quarterback. So the deck, as I said, stacked against McCaffrey in this one, but I would have zero issue. And again, right now my vote would be for him for MVP. Yeah, I, I like honestly, if either of those guys won the award, I'd be pretty fine with it at this point. Because again, like, I understand none of this should be a narrative award. It should be a season long thing. But, you know, another factor is like how you perform in the biggest moments. And last night for that or yesterday, I should say for Dak Prescott in that game, it was a big moment on the road in an area that's been an issue for your team and your team around you had some guys get banged up, had some issues. And we always talk about, hey, are you able to overcome that and offset some of those other issues for your team? One of the jobs of any MVP, but especially a quarterback, I've always said is, do you make the lives of the lives of the people around you easier on your team? And some of it's unfair to Dak Prescott because there were a lot of plays where he didn't have a chance last night. But at the same time, that's the MVP conversation we're having. That's the standard we talk about when you get to that level is, hey, are you able to get out of a couple of those situations and make something out of nothing when given the opportunity? By the way, the uh, last time it was not a quarterback or a running back was when I was playing in the league. 1986. As a matter of fact, it was not even an offensive player. Lawrence Taylor was the MVP. So he was the last non-quarterback, non-running back, and the last defensive player to win that. Uh, And then you go back. How about 1982? Mark Mosley, the place kicker. For the then Washington oh. Redskins. Is that amazing? That is unbelievable. Uh, so, yeah. What, what uh, is it's, it's been looking at that year for a kicker to win the award? Like, Justin Tucker is the greatest kicker I've ever seen in my life. And we would never flirt with the idea of him being the MVP because we are fortunate to have so many space aliens walking this earth playing football. Like, Dad, you could sell me in another lifetime where we actually fairly judge players across all positions. That, like, watching Miles Garrett yesterday at the end of that Browns win Chicago Bears, knowing that he's been banged up down the stretch of the season with a shoulder injury, knowing that He's going to have every resource thrown at him, and his head coach, Kevin Stefanski, has spoken as much. Like, people do not understand how freakish it is in general what Miles Garrett is doing. 
You could absolutely convince me of throwing MVP votes his way at this Cleveland Browns team led by Joe Flacco now. Looks like it is capable of making its way to the playoffs and maybe yeah. even being froggy enough to get a win at this point. But if you look at like the most impactful player on that team, like, yeah, it's overwhelmingly Miles Garrett, right. who's a huge right. Who's again like the aliens come down, the guy I want to send forward as our champion. So that's what I mean. Like, what world we had to be living in back then for a kicker to get MVP votes is sad. And I feel bad for the people that had to live through Yeah, uh, it was also, okay. yeah, it was a strike year. That, that certainly has something to do with it uh, as well. No doubt about it. That was a strike year. Uh, and then in 1987, that was when we struck what missed four games. Uh, and John Elway had won it that year. But, uh, uh, yeah, it's it's I, I'm with you on Miles Garrett and and it's good for a defensive player to win it again like Lawrence Taylor did in 86. You're going to have to break the sack record. Uh, we've seen Deron Bland with a ton of interceptions already broke the record for pick sixes. He won't even be mentioned. You know, he, I shouldn't say it won't be mentioned, but he's not going to win defensive player of the year. It's going to be and one of those rush guys, right? Setting a setting a new sack record, I believe, is the closest you're going to get to a defensive player winning MVP again. And to boot, nobody on the offensive side having that unbelievable year. You know, not one quarterback throwing up ungodly numbers. It's going to have to be compatible with that. Yeah, exactly. You would need people to come down a little bit in the standard. Right, and right. this would have been the year for that because of all the quarterback injury we've seen, because of how a lot of the teams where we were expecting them to be contenders maybe have shuffled back a little bit. But I look at who else is even out there for this, Dad, because Brock Purdy is going to have a great chance to make the statement against this Baltimore Ravens team. Where on the other side, you've got a guy in Lamar Jackson who we put up in this all the time because of the way he impacts the game for yes. that team. Brock's yeah. going to have a great narrative opportunity. The only one that seems maybe within ballpark because of the opportunity afforded to his team down the stretch could be if Josh Allen, who I know this weekend didn't have to do much, but in general has been super Saiyan Josh and the driving force for that team. If the bills somehow find their way into the playoffs, which would include a big win against the Miami dolphins in the final week of the season, he would have his day in court for the award as well. And deservedly. So could the bills take the division from Miami? They need to get within a game, right? And then they play the last game and they can win that one and, and win the division. That, that would be a marker, especially if Josh Allen is, leads that team like, like yesterday. He did not. You know, if they go ahead and do this and he is not playing unbelievable, that probably would hurt his chances. Though, do we think that Brock Purdy and Christian McCaffrey are going to hurt each other, split those votes? Um, there's a chance. I, I mean, I, I think most people are voting wise are always going to defer towards the quarterback. Like I, I, yes, I don't think that's right, but I think that's reality. So that's probably going to be the case. I don't know if there'll be as much cannibalization just because again, best quarterback on right now, what is inarguably the best team in football is usually a pretty hard standard to right, beat right. when it comes to the MVP. Now you mentioned for Buffalo, the chance to win the division, the dolphins last three games, Cowboys on, at Baltimore and then home versus the Bills. If they lose one of those two games against the Cowboys or the Ravens, which is a very real possibility, yes. that last game of the season would be for the division. And that's one right. Buffalo. I mean, they beat them earlier in the year when we were still worried about the trajectory of the Bills. Now they'd be facing what feels like the final form for them under the Joe Brady-led offense now. Which which would be what, what a difference of getting that home game, right? Of it being in Buffalo or being in Miami. Certainly a difference there for a home team of what you get to play in uh, at home. So the rest of the, the three more games, you know, after tonight, three more games getting getting very, very interesting. We, we finally have our first uh, we have our first clinches and our eliminations just for everybody's uh, edification. We have uh, eliminated from the playoffs is Washington, not shocking, Carolina, Arizona, the Jets, which brings us obviously to the Aaron Rodgers question. Uh, the New England Patriots have been eliminated. Tennessee has been eliminated. And we know that Buffalo, or I'm sorry, Philly and and Dallas both made the playoffs. Before Dallas even played their game, they clinched a spot. And Philly plays tonight and they clinched a spot. And it's San Francisco has clinched a division already. So we're finally in that realm of who's eliminated and who is clinching spots. 
Yeah, I can't imagine Dallas felt too much like partying after the game last night no. and celebrating that moment. So uh, kind of the European soccer model that we've seen pop up in the Olympics where American fans always have to digest. You can move on out of group play, even if you're tying or losing at the end of that. And it doesn't always feel sweet. But uh, yeah, uh, a lot of people punching their ticket, finishing up the season now as we march towards the end. Who's getting started on draft prep? Who's getting started on postseason prep? Who is joining our all weekend? We name that next. All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. It is time for the guys to take a look back at the past couple of days and give us their all-weekend team. So, fellas, we have some honors to hand out. Who's going to get them? Yes, uh, big-time weekend, uh, both on and off the football field, Dad, with plenty of stuff to get to and celebrate here. So we'll go honorable mention, first team, second team, or second team, and then first team, because I can count and I can do math. And uh, starting off, Dad, I'll go uh, off the field here and go to the great state of Texas. The Texas women's volleyball team goes back-to-back as national champions. They get it done against Nebraska Cornhuskers women's volleyball team that has nothing to hang their hat on this season. We know how important to the sports growth and development they've been. The game at the football stadium earlier this year that set all sorts of attendance records for women's sports worldwide. But give the Longhorns their credit. They went out there and got it done uh, in a big time clash of two of the best teams in the entire sport. Yeah, it was very cool to see. Uh, and they ran them three games, uh, three games to love on this one. I mean, it was uh, as far as that was concerned, wasn't even a contest there. So uh, the, the we talked about the semi, semis last week and how good they were. And then for Texas to go uh, back to back is uh, pretty impressive. And and, and I, 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 I'm sorry, your name is escaping me, but one of their top players before last year won a title at Kentucky. Uh, so I believe this was her third uh, championship in a row. I think if I'm getting that uh, correct. Uh, but what a what a dominant performance! It's so much fun to watch, and we we've got into it even a little bit more with with our buddy Marcus Spears, right? Mike, his daughter was yes. the number one uh, number one volleyball recruit in the country, uh, so that was very cool. He was over social media with pictures of her. That was a very very cool thing to see. One of the young ladies on uh, the, the Texas team is the daughter of Jermaine O'Neal, former uh, NBA player. So it, it's very cool to see when you start to know some of these people, and that's their kids you know, her getting these accolades. My uh, members of the all tournament team as well. So who do you got for your honorable mention uh, here, dad? My honorable mention is going to go to Joe Flacco. I I mean, 374 yards in this game. He did have a few interceptions, but a couple of touchdowns. I need to know because I haven't, haven't looked it up and I'm sure someone would find it quicker to me. What's the last four quarterback team that made the playoffs? Because that's where the Cleveland Browns are. They're on their fourth starting quarterback, being Joe Flacco a few weeks ago, was watching games on the couch and is now leading the Browns, who are in the fifth slot. Baltimore is going to win that division, but the the Cleveland Browns are the first wild card right now in the fifth slot. 2015 Houston Texans was the last team. Yeah, that's uh, how about that? That's well, well done. Thank you for that info. Was that like the so t- cool. was that like the TJ Yates team that ended up making the postseason too? That's right. That was when. Wow, so it was Brian Hoyer, Ryan yeah. Mallett, TJ Yates, and Brandon Whedon were the four quarterbacks for that Houston wow. Texans team. 
that ended up making the postseason and getting there. So that is some insane company for this team. But you're right, Dad. I do think we get even more degree of difficulty here for the well, fact that Joe Flacco is <laughs> as old as he is, came off the couch in the circumstances that he is, and the backdrop of, like, Deshaun Watson, the contract, dude, all these complicated factors dude, for this team. How about Joe Flacco coming off the couch, leading Cleveland to the playoffs, and they're signing a check for Deshaun Watson every week? I mean, it has to be like a poison pen writing that thing. I mean, it's just horrific. Yeah, I mean, writing a check to a guy who Joe Flacco has come in and eclipsed the amount of 300-yard games, three touchdown performances, anything that Deshaun Watson has done as a Brown, Joe Flacco has come in and done better, including in some clutch moments yesterday. That throwing catch to Amari Cooper late in that game to help get them back into this. One of the best you'll see all season, an absolute rip. My second team pick, Dad, goes to Montana's very own Junior Burgeon, the wide receiver, punt returner, kick returner extraordinaire for this squad, who's been an absolute monster through the majority of this postseason run for a team that now is going to get to play uh, South Dakota State for the FCS National Championship this year. Multiple punt return uh, and kick return situations, as you can see right here. Five punt return titles, uh, four rushing uh, touchdowns, four rushing touchdowns, had the two-point conversion pass that was an awful throw, bounced off the hands yeah. of a defender, <laughs> and picked off, yeah. but got in there. But in a game where he already had a return touchdown and a receiving touchdown, has been one of the stars of the FCS postseason, as now gets the chance to add national champion to that resume. That that is really impressive. I mean, you got it having having you know doing something like that. I mean, talk about being in the zone and having it going right. I mean, that so cool. Uh, congrats there. My second team is going to go to Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield led this weekend in passing yards. Completed almost, what, 79% of his passes, 22 of 28, 381 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. And still, we all love the scrappy way he plays uh, as well. Uh, players love him. And right now, uh, amazingly enough, they're not under 500 while leading the division. They're leading the NFC South with a 7-7 seven and seven record. Uh, behind them is New Orleans at 7-7, seven and seven, and they play in a couple of weeks. Uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks they finish up with Jacksonville, New Orleans, and Carolina. Now, they beat New Orleans earlier in the season, but a chance for New Orleans in a couple of weeks, seeing what happens after next week. But right now, Tampa Bay leading the division, and Baker Mayfield making at that statement from Cleveland to Carolina to the Rams. Now Tampa Bay trying to tell Tampa Bay, hey, you don't need to go out and get a quarterback. I can be your guy. He is definitely making a case for that with the toughness and the way he plays, even though we all kind of know how he is as a player. It's, he's making it very interesting for Tampa Bay. So kudos to him, man, just going out and getting the job done. I do wonder how Buccaneers fans feel about that because he's mm -hmm. been scrappy. But like you said, this is a team that's barely fi over 500 in the exactly. worst division in football. You're not going to be in position to draft any of the top quarterbacks in this year's draft. So he's probably going to be your guy. And it's incredible what he's done. He's an adult in the room at that position. He's got all the moxie and stuff that you could want there. But you do wonder what it means on the high end for them. But an awesome weekend for him, no doubt. He's gone out there and I think silenced a bunch of critics this season with the way that he's played, especially down the stretch here. I, for my first team pick, Dad, am going to go back to our alma mater. This weekend, very cool moment for one of the best coaches in my lifetime on Notre yes. Dame's campus. Former women's basketball head coach Muffet McGraw, now cemented forever in South Bend. She becomes the first female coach at Notre Dame to get a statue put up in her honor. She's going to have her statue outside of Purcell Pavilion, the basketball arena where the men's and women's teams play at Notre Dame for her contributions to that school. Obviously a two-time national champion, someone with multiple final fours on her resume. And the face, one of the faces of women's basketball in my lifetime, obviously has been a huge advocate for women's athletes in general when it comes to the things that she's been willing to say and do with the microphone at the top of the sport, but also one of the fixtures in terms of a accomplishments in women's basketball in this era yeah and by the way uh still when she talks i think she scares people doesn't she i mean because yes, she will much. speak her mind she will absolutely speak her mind love her to death she is fantastic been fantastic for that university as well 848 career wins. She was inducted into the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame in 2017, the Women's Basketball Hall of Fame in 2011. So congratulations to Muffet, who yep. set the standard on that campus in my lifetime. And I'm going here for my first team just because I grew up 
in a, a time, and it has been a lot of time, even after I left there, of how bad the Cleveland Browns have been. I'm giving my all-first team, uh, weekend first team, to Kevin Stefanski, the head coach of the Browns. They got their ninth win yesterday, so that means they're going to have a winning season. Worst they can do is 9-8. and eight. He is now the first Browns coach, and he hasn't been there all that long, the first Browns coach with multiple winning seasons since Marty Schottenheimer uh, for 86 to 88. The first one. And I know there may be some that are, seriously, you're, you're congratulating a winning season. Yes, I am. Because I grew up in Cleveland. I know what it was like there and how bad it's been there for a long, 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 long time. So, again, winning seasons, which doesn't seem like it should be that hard to do. It's the first since the mid-80s. So that's how impressive it is in Cleveland, where I grew up. So maybe a little biased that way because growing up, knowing how bad it was, Mike, but kudos to Stefanski for doing that. I mean, when you look at, we always do the laundry list of Cleveland quarterback names on that sad jersey from the graveyard. The list of yep. coaching names and records is almost as sad at so many junctures. So you're absolutely right to do it like we said. Four different quarterbacks over the course of this season in a tumultuous year in the AFC. Absolutely hats off to Kevin Stefanski. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Week 15 comes to an end with an NFC clash on Monday Night Football. So we got the Seahawks hosting the Eagles at Lumen Field. Seattle on a four-game losing streak. Not great. Philly has lost back-to-back games after their red-hot start to the season. And Jalen Hurts is questionable with an illness. But he is or he was on his way to Seattle. So he left separately from the Eagles team charter from Philly, allegedly because he didn't want to get anybody else sick. So guys, going into this one, I cannot help but just imagine Jalen Hurts with the meme coming into mom's room in the middle of the night saying, I froed up. So apparently (laughs) Jalen Hurts is froing up. What are we going to do? I love the thought of him walking up to Nick Sirianni's offense and you just see the silhouette of him like a child walking into their parents' room at night telling them that he's thrown up all over himself. Which, by the way, every parent has my undying respect for somehow weathering that storm of your child either coming into your room after having a bad dream or being sick and waking you up out of nowhere in the middle of the night and not knee-jerk punching them in the face as if they were some home invader there. I don't know how you guys lived through that, Dad. Well, listen, I mean, you, you live with more than that. I mean, I still envision the one uh, night where Sydney came in very at a very young age, not feeling good, and was going to throw up. And you know, as a parent, you want to get them to throw up in the right place so you're not cleaning up afterward. So there was nowhere around. So Chris just put her hands out and caught the, the throw up, just caught it all in her hands uh, so she could get But you don't even think about it. You don't. Even, you, don't, you just do it because you know you're just going to more work is going to be created later if you let it splash all over the floor. Then you have to clean that up as well. How many times I've had to get the Bissell out because of the dogs doing something? So could be the same thing with the kids. So yeah, you don't even think about it. You just catch the throw up and, and you move on. So I'm sure that's what Nick's doing. Said I'll I'll catch the puke as long as you're playing in the game. You know, <laughs> get better and play in this one because the Philadelphia. Eagles, even though the last two games they lost and they got smoked by the Cowboys last week, 
They control their own destiny. They play Seattle. Then they play the Giants, Arizona, and the Giants. Listen, if you're going to do anything in the in the playoffs, you need to win those three games, right? I mean, you you give up one of those, which should be wins for you. You got more issues than what you think. So they control their own destiny. Let's see what happens tonight because obviously uh, Seattle is fighting for a spot as well. They're sitting in the ninth slot at six and seven, and the seventh slot is the Rams, you know, they played one more game at seven and seven. So uh, it, it's tight there as well. So a big one for Seattle. Yeah. And obviously for them to quarterback situation up in the air, it looks like Drew Locke could be the inside right. track to start again with uh, Geno Smith still dealing with that groin injury, which is a huge factor. Drew Locke's played well in stretches, but this team also looking to get healthier at running back and some of those other spots to help out. Dan, I think Philadelphia wins tonight. And I think, what you just laid out is the most important part of that is they're the team that probably, especially when you look at them in San Francisco, desperately needs the not only the you know, home field advantage that comes with the one seed, but the buy that comes with the one seed. Because we've talked so much about how right. a lot of the Eagles flaws this year have been due to injuries to guys like Dallas Goddard. We've seen Lane Johnson deal with injury late in this season. And obviously you're headlined by Jalen Hurts with the knee that's been bothering him for most of the year. Getting that extra week at this juncture would go so far for this Eagles yeah. team if they're going to try and push past a 49ers team that is objectively better than them right now. So, and again, another point to make, what is one of the big things we've talked about during this year was the amount of backup quarterbacks that have played, right? We've talked about there's been a couple of teams now uh, that are on four different starting quarterbacks. Cleveland and I believe Minnesota has joined that group as well. So, so we've had a bunch with two, some with three, and a couple with four. But so going into the game tonight because we're not sure if he's going to play but but right now up to this point what do all these teams have in common they're all division leaders right now miami baltimore jacksonville kansas city philadelphia detroit um, tampa bay and san francisco they all have all had their starting quarterback the entire year Although all those leading division teams have had their starting quarterback. So it certainly means something. You know, while I don't think ratings are going to be down or anything like that, people are still going to watch. How good your team is certainly is going to be affected by what quarterback is on the field. I think that's a no-brainer. We know that. And that's one of the consistent things we've seen with all the division leaders right now. Yeah, I, I, I think we see in in every league, this is true and in almost every level, but the NFL, because of the inherent violence of the sport, the health of your roster overall is such a determining factor once we get to the end of the season of who ends up being primed for one of these postseason runs. It's why what we've talked about with the Cleveland Browns has been so impressive, because I think they lead the league in terms of the percentage of their salary cap that's on IR right now and are somehow still going to bat. Obviously, the quarterback being yep. out has an outsized effect on that, but it's exactly what you're talking about. The teams that have managed to have their quarterback consistently available in a year where that has been the most league-wide difficult thing to try and grapple with have absolutely been the best ones going uh, for this one tonight. So, uh, Dan, I think for Philadelphia in terms of what they can do tonight that also projects well for them going forward, and the thing we've talked about that even in the loss to the Dallas Cowboys that I still said felt better than their loss to the 49ers is – it looked like with Dallas Goddard coming back into the lineup with some of the early decisions Now we'll see with the illness involved, if they're as willing to rush Jalen Hurts the way they were willing to early in that Dallas Cowboys game. But those were all signs to me of a team that was getting back to some of the things that have been successful. Them. The biggest wild card tonight is going to be on defense as we got the headline coming yeah. out leading up into this game that. And apparently they have now moved Sean Desai into a slightly different role who had been their defensive play caller and Matt Patricia, they phrased it a bunch of weird ways. Like he would be handling the communication into the green dot player. It sounds like Matt Patricia is going to be calling plays for this defense in a move that this late in the season, dad doesn't seem like something that a double digit win team should be doing. Yeah. there, There was a point I couldn't figure out. Was he just relaying what Sean Desai was telling him in the booth and he was relaying that into the green dot player on defense, or was he calling them? I've seen both explained in different articles there. And obviously, since not calling this game, you know, don't have you know access to talking to the coaches uh, that you would if, you, if you're calling the game. So yeah, it, it seemed weird, but you're right. I mean, it does seem odd 
to mix and mingle right now when, oh, by the way, you're still 10 and three. But that side of the ball is, has really, really been struggling. Certainly been hurt by inju- injuries, but struggling with play as well. So we'll see what happens here against the Seattle team, which, I mean, my God, look at the way we were talking about them four weeks ago. They were six and three, you know, but now they've lost four straight, so reeling and may not have their starting quarterback either. So th- this is the time of season, man, survival of the fittest, who's able to make it out on the field. But at the end of the day, we may have a, a who is it, a Drew Locke against Marcus Mariota battle at the quarterback position here. It sounds more like a Thursday night matchup uh, based on yeah, what we've had yeah, for the majority for Al of Michaels. the season. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mercifully, Al Michaels kept very far away from this one. But um, you know what? It, it is interesting, Dad, uh, thinking about that defensively. Because Nick Sirianni is no stranger to making bold changes in the middle of the season. The way that he addressed offensive play calling two years ago was a big part of the Eagles run that started to lead towards the Super Bowl appearance from last year. But with this one now, I do look at so many of their defensive issues as much more personnel based than anything else. Like seeing, you know, obviously uh, injury, they're not going to have Darius Slay out there uh, tonight, I believe. Uh, I think that's correct. And then what we've had at linebacker and really at the nickel spots for, for them, all to me, like that's a Jimmy's and Joe's thing, I think far more than it's yeah. been yeah. an X's and O's necessarily. Obviously, Sean decides to have some culpability and this is the play caller. But for Matt, Matt Patricia, as many have pointed out, at least he's calling defensive plays and not offensive plays this time around if he is the Yeah, that, that's very true. You know, stick to stick to the side of the ball you know. But you're right. You trade for Kevin Byard around the, the trade deadline and the DB. You pick up Shaq Leonard a couple of weeks ago when he's released uh, from the Colts. So you know when you're making moves like that, you've had some issues. You lost, uh, you lost, you know, Gardner your, uh, Johnson, one of your your DBs from last year, uh, over to Detroit, who unfortunately got hurt in Week One, but may start practicing next week for Detroit. Be nice if they got him back, but yeah, I, I agree. I think it's been more of a Jimmy's and Joe's. Not so much that front. That front is, is you know, they have kind of been as advertised. I mean, between great play and depth as well. All right, guys, time to finish off the show the way we always do. This, that, and the third. Three quick stories to send you off on of the rest of your day. As always, download, subscribe, rate, review. Leave us a five-star rating. Check us out here live Monday through Friday from 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern on DraftKingsNetwork.com, Samsung TV+, Roku, the DraftKings YouTube channel, and more. But if you miss us or any of the great guests that we usually have around here during the week, you can get us wherever you get your podcasts, as well as right here on the YouTube channel as soon as we are done with the live show. We will get to... One of the signs that the apocalypse is nigh very quickly here after we tell you about our friends from Wrangler. We're brought to you by Wrangler jeans, shirts, and jackets made for the ride of life. You can be ready for cooler days and longer nights and styles that will keep you warm, comfortable, moving, and looking great no matter where you are. You can wear Wrangler jeans literally anywhere, out at night, playing a pickup game with friends, or at home, watching the game on TV. They're that comfortable. They're that durable. And there's a Wrangler shirt for every occasion. you got casual tees, the snaps at button-ups. You can layer them together, get the best of both worlds. It's all deadly. Go ahead and do it for yourself. And while you're at it, don't forget about the iconic Wrangler jackets. When that weather starts to chill and you need to venture out, Wrangler will keep you ready for anything. So add some Wrangler to your getup jeans, shirts, and jackets that look great, fit great, and move great, so you're always ready for whatever life throws at you. And you can save 15% on looking good with your first Wrangler.com order when you use promo code GOJO15. Wrangler for the ride of life. And the ride of life, guys, last night took us to something we have not seen since the before times. Steph Curry had his streak of games with a three-point field goal end. For the first time since 2018, Steph Curry went over from beyond the arc. He was over eight last night in the Warriors win. Curry only had seven points in the game, but they still won their first set of back-to-back games for the first time since November 4th. So, Dad, kind of like we saw from Josh Allen last night, always good when your best player doesn't need to be on their A game to win, especially given what we've seen from Golden State. But Steph Curry not hitting a three is something that doesn't compute to my peanut ring. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, when that when that wide receiver has that long streak of at least one catch in a game and 
it's getting down maybe in the game and they haven't had a catch, you could just throw them a nice easy hitch just to extend the streak and coaches will do that. I mean, it's not like he didn't have his chances. He he took what eight threes, so he had his chances to make it to continue. It's not like he didn't he didn't shoot any. He just didn't make it, but it seems so wild to me that he could take eight shots and not at least hit one of them. We know shooters have off nights, and what do they do? They just keep shooting through it. But 2018, 2018, five years since he's last not had a three in a game. Blows my mind when you think about it. It's incredible. But now the pressure's was, off, right? Streak is over. Yeah. <laughs> whatever. Yeah. 268 games in this one. His his streak began December 1st, 2018 at the Detroit Pistons. He also recently made his 3,500th career three-pointer this season. Oh. So he's got every accolade. He's going to go down as the greatest shooter in NBA yep. history. He's got yep. all those things there. But it, it just, boy, kind of a sign of the times, I think, for the Warriors in general, where this streak coming to an end in this season feels appropriate, given the fact that for a lot of reasons, yeah. we wonder if this could be the end of the current Warriors big three in the iteration that they've been so used to. But Jesse, that is not the only basketball headline we've got to get to. So what do we have for that? Yeah, from one of the oh. best basketball players ever oh. to the opposite. So early last week, North Dakota State men's basketball, they made the news when they posted a tweet of the final score of their game versus Oak Hill's Christian College, the score in question, 108 to 14. Okay, Oak Hills is a school of 100 students. It's not part of the NCAA, but the ACCA, Association of Christian College Athletics. And unfortunately for Oak Hills, obviously the results of this not great. Some highlights came out that were not highlights Ooh. and also were not great. And when you see something like this, it's kind of like, should we, should we, yeah, do we even want to put this out there? Should we be showing this to the internet? This school has a hundred people that go there. So I think like if anyone wants to be on the basketball team, they can. You know what the funny part about this is, though, is it's not like they got whooped by some basketball powerhouse like Kentucky. It's not like one of those pay games early in the year in college football season. Like North Dakota State, I got to be honest, I have no familiarity with their basketball team whatsoever. This school grappling with the fact that their football program isn't playing in the FCS title game after losing in the semifinals and the standard around there for that team. But I have no clue what their basketball team is supposed to be. I don't think they're supposed to make this team go out and look like the Washington Generals, though, Dad. Well, after that win, they were 7-4. and four. Oak Hills Christian was 0-4 after that game. Some of the stats are amazing. The... Oak Hills Christian got outscored 60 to 5 in the first half, 48 to 9 in the second half. They shot 6 for 49 from the field, 1 for 20 from three-point range. And if you get a chance, watch the highlights. They're all over the place. The and I feel bad for the play of the Oak Hills Christian team, but it was just horrific. Horrific what the threes they were throwing up, the layups they were missing, the bounce the passes and bounce ball bouncing off their feet. But I guess, again, with 100 people, you thought maybe you could find a couple that could play, and I guess a couple that could play maybe rec league, unfortunately. But uh, they're, uh, they're struggling as a team. But by God, Mike, they're out there trying. Only, they're out one, there trying. Kid, only one kid on the roster is over 6'4". I mean, you wow. saw some of those jumpers out there, too. Like, I know, like, there's that famous line from Major League, like you saying Jesus Christ can't, Christ can't hit a curveball. Apparently, Jesus has trouble knocking down from beyond the arc, too, taking people yeah. off the dribble. Like, I remember vividly at the Catholic middle school that my sister and brother went to, there was a picture of Jesus going up and, like, swatting comes get some kid shot into the student section in one of the hallways surrounding the gym in the background there. They might need to call the Heavenly Father up off the bench because right now his sons on earth aren't getting it done. No, it's yeah, really only bad. Three, only three players scored for Oak Hills Christian. One had seven, one had four, the other had three. That was it. Everybody else pulled the donut. The so, head coach doubles as a faculty advisor and instructor for the business program. So. Well, okay. Helping, you know helping what? mold you got, young The more man. you can do. 
Yeah. And, right. and you know what, Dad? This is an easy opportunity to go the LeBron James route for everybody in here. I did not even know that this delineation of basketball or league occurred or existed, but you can easily fall back on the route because of the religious affiliation to the school, that this is bigger than basketball, and we're trying to build future leaders of tomorrow and the church and any number of things that LeBron James might say if he were in the same situation. Sure. You can fall back on here if you were this school. Jesse, let's get to the third here and uh, talk about another surprise visitor uh, that someone has enjoyed in their home recently. And it wasn't mine for once, which is nice. Yeah. So a family brought home their Christmas tree. They went, you know, and picked it out and then they brought it home and, you know, you cut it open and you decorate the whole thing and it's all great and everything. And then a couple days later, someone's looking at the tree and they're like, what is that? It was an owl. There was a baby owl in the tree just sitting in there sitting in the little tree hanging out and so the whole thing's decorated everybody and look look at it look how cute it is wow yeah so they found this baby owl in the tree the owl is perfectly well they called um you know i don't whoever who'd you call gojo you know animal control animal control ghostbusters whoever you call and they come (laughs) and they they took the baby owl and they brought it and released it into the wild. So it has, the story has a happy ending. But I just got to say, my daughter, my 19-month-old daughter, is obsessed with owls. We have an owl, a fake owl, in our Christmas tree, like shoved in there. And I was like, man, if this if this had happened to us, we have a fake tree. So it wouldn't have. She would have been delighted. Yeah. She would have been delighted. I feel like an owl much higher up on the list of things you'd like to encounter than I saw the one tree that got posted where somebody in keeping with the tradition I've established this year had the possum show up in her yep. tree. Yep. yep. Yeah. I, I saw mean, another listen. one where praying mantises hatched and they were just all over the tree. Like well, hundreds it, it just of kind them. of freak you out. Yeah. yeah. Again, if you go, you know, if you go chop your own tree down or buy one on a lot, you know, it's still a live tree that was chopped down somewhere. So at times you don't know what's inside of it, but that was a very cute owl. It was that adorable. was that was very very nice. But happy ending. The owl got released out, uh, you know, and back into the wild. But boy, what a shocker that had to be. That that would make you gasp a little bit. A bunch of praying mantises hatched on a tree. Yeah, I'll That's send you that. Fine. That would. I'll send I'd have you to that. burn the tree. Yeah, yeah I feel no, like you just no. got to throw the whole tree out, ornaments and all. And, and burn the house down yeah. if it was in the house. Yeah. yeah. For what it's worth, I found out yesterday that when possums want attention, they sneeze, which is about the cutest thing on earth. We think you're all <laughs> cute. Download, subscribe, review, enjoy Monday Night Football. Ah.